What was most striking was there wasn't anything really striking about the room, the people or the aesthetics. What made it so surreal is just how real it was. It was so down to earth, you were all the more convinced it was otherworldly. Welcome to the Ask Anything podcast because some things are better said than read. And my name is Peter LaRuffa. Last week, I took the opportunity that I had to go down to Asbury University after having heard of some of the things that were going on down there. I made a post on Facebook uh, that was really well received, and I just wanted to share it here with you as well and also offer some additional commentaries I've been thinking about in the days uh, between then and now. Billy Graham's last public event was in June of 2005 in New York City, but more specifically, it was in Flushing, which was my hometown. At the time, I was 26 years old, four years into full-time ministry, three years into marriage, two years into parenting. I thought I differed with Billy Graham on too many theological points to take the time to go see him, so I passed on the opportunity. I even felt kind of good about it. Almost 18 years later, I've realized something as I've looked back on the 26-year-old me. I was an idiot. I've always regretted that decision. My theological, soteriological, methodological convictions haven't changed much since 2005, but what has changed is what I find worth my time and attention. What has changed is the fact that I've come to the realization that there are some things worth experiencing because they won't always be available to me. I missed the opportunity to hear Jesus boldly and loudly preached in 2005 in the midst of New York City, and I didn't intend to make a similar mistake again. Asbury University is about 90 minutes from my home and church. Having been made aware of what was transpiring down there, I took a day and worked extra hard to be able to make sure that I took time to take a drive to Wilmore, Kentucky that afternoon. Uh, I stood in the rain for about 45 minutes. I listened to a man behind me on his phone talk about where and how he thought the Holy Spirit was going to move next like he was a meteorologist discussing a weather pattern. With soaking wet shoes and socks and wet socks are one of my biggest pet peeves, uh, I finally entered the chapel. I chose to sit in the balcony towards the back to take it all in. I sang familiar worship songs of today and days gone by. We sang choruses to hymns I still play on the piano at home and some I hadn't thought of in years. Then we were invited to be seated. Easily 90% of those in attendance were between 18 and 25 years old, I would guess. At one point, a gentleman took a mic and said we were going to hear testimonies of the Lord's goodness in our lives, and that we did. Uh, what was shared was powerful because it was so down-to-earth. People spoke of salvation. People spoke of sorrow over sin with no regret because it led to their repentance. Uh, people spoke of restored hope in Christ and His Word. A young lady spoke of sinful choices she had made in recent days, maybe even years, despite her familiarity with and knowledge of the gospel for most of her life. A man followed her and said, you know, given your age, your testimony, your background, I'm inclined to think what you shared might strike a chord with others like you here. Maybe the Lord would use your testimony to convict others and call them to repentance in a similar way. And then we turned and addressed us in the congregation. He said, friends, if you think the Lord may be laying something similar on your heart, would you stand so I might pray for you that? And seven other young people in seven different parts of the room just stood to their feet before he could finish, and he prayed for them. We prayed for them, and we praised God for what he was doing. It wasn't flashy, 
There were no special effects to tug at your heartstrings. At the risk of sounding snooty, the musicians were somewhere between subpar and mediocre. There was no screaming preacher. There was no repetitive invitations and reminders that the buses would wait. There was no asinine laughter, no one making animal noises, no snakes. There was literally nothing weird about it. What was most striking was there wasn't anything really striking about the room, the people, or the aesthetics. What made it so surreal is just how real it was. It was so down-to-earth you were all the more convinced it was otherworldly. I tearfully prayed in my seat for some things and people that were on my heart. I sang some songs and then left. It was surprisingly hard and a little sad to leave. All in all, I stayed for one and a half, maybe two hours. As I walked back to my car, I didn't feel as if I was walking on air. Remember, my socks were wet, reminding me these truly are the last days. I didn't experience anything miraculous, but I do believe I was able to witness God doing truly great things that are not hard for him, but life-changing for us. I counted myself humbled and honored to have been able to be there for as much as I was. I drove home grateful to God for the experience, thankful that I wasn't as idiotic as I was 18 years ago, and perhaps most importantly, thankful for the dry socks that were waiting for me in my dresser drawer. Some people have been saying, is it a revival? I actually think it's too soon to say. Um, I think what I experienced seemed to be really pleasing to the Lord. Uh, There was nothing there that made me personally uncomfortable, nothing happening that I thought went against God's word. Everything seemed to be done very decently and in order. Um, And I think it's too soon to say uh, whether or not it's a revival. Revivals are usually something we look back upon and we see the effects, the long-term effects of what's been happening in the lives of people. Uh, Revival is usually something that we can look back on and see people uh, seemingly, they can't help but tell others about what the Lord has done in their life. They can't help but preach the gospel. That's what we've seen in revivals in times past, historically speaking. And so that's not me saying I'm skeptical. I'm just saying I think it's really too soon to make that call as to whether or not it's a revival. And I think time will tell. Um, Some people say, what about the mixed reports? There's lots of reports of what's going on down there. They don't always jive. Um, I actually think the mixed reports are probably all to some degree true. Uh, I'm thankful for my friend Michael Clary posted recently on his Facebook page, uh, thinking back on something that Jonathan Edwards had written in a uh, piece called Religious Affections. And let me just read you a portion of that. It is by the mixture of counterfeit religion with true, not discerned and distinguished, that the devil has had his greatest advantage against the cause and kingdom of Christ all along hitherto. It is by this means principally that he has prevailed against all revivings of religion that ever have been sheen the first founding of the Christian church. By this, he hurt the cause of Christianity in and after the apostolic age much more than by all the persecutions of both Jews and and heathens. And what he's basically saying is it's not uncommon for a true work of God to be uh, countered or mixed with uh, or, or counterattacked with by a spurious or a false work uh, by way of dilution uh, or by way of counterfeit or false teaching. It's actually not terribly uncommon uh, throughout church history for you to see both of those things happening. 
um, where it's real. I think it's just very real spiritual warfare and uh, the battle that you see happening between good and evil. And so I actually don't doubt necessarily the reports. Of course, I'm, I was only there for two hours, but the reports that come back from both sides of this is happening. That's really cool. This is happening. That's really concerning. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe both are actually true and happening. But I think there's this need for us as people, right? Like I need to know now, I need to know, is it real or is it phony? Should I be excited or should I be concerned? And we just want to know now. We don't, we're not, we're not really a patient people. Um, but, and then I think what ends up happening is in our rush to want to know, I got to know now, people who are like prone to skepticism, they'll see things happening. But like, see, I told you, I knew it. That's what I'm saying. People who are prone to optimism, they read reports. See, I told you that I knew it. And we're not really getting an accurate reading. And I think what we'll see is as time plays out, we'll see uh, what the Lord is doing through this. Was this a, a momentary uh, event in the lives of many people at Asbury University, or is it something greater? I really think only time will tell, and we need to just sit around and see what the Lord does or doesn't do in the days to come. And we'll look back in the days and weeks and months and even years to come with way more clarity looking in the rearview mirror at what we've been through than we do looking out the windshield. And something that's hard for us to imagine because the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. And it's like, well, I should be able to look around and know what's going on. That's not always the case when it comes to things like this. And so I had a great two hours down there. I was really thankful for the time, thankful for what the Lord seemed to be doing in my presence. Uh, I don't regret having gone, and I'm curious to see what the Lord will do in days to come. But I wanted to also leave you with this thought from uh, the book of Acts, uh, chapter 5. Uh, and I'll fly through it up until where I, what I want to talk to you about. Starts out with Ananias and Sapphira, and they had sold a piece of property, and they lied about how much money they'd made and how much they were going to give to the church, and God strikes them dead. Um, there's signs and wonders that were being done among the people at the hands of the apostles. Um, then uh, at one point, Peter and the apostles, they're arrested and put into jail. Um, but an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail during the night, brought them out and said, go stand in the temple <clears throat> and tell the people about, uh, this life. Tell them, tell them all about this. It says, hearing this, they entered the temple at day daybreak and began to teach. Um, and then they find that they're not in the, uh, jail cell anymore. Uh, and they say, they report back, like, we found the jail securely locked. The guards were standing in front of the doors, but they weren't there. Um, and someone eventually comes and says, look, the men that you put in jail are standing in the temple. They're teaching the people. Uh, and then they approach them. They said, didn't we strictly order you not, not how did you get out? <laughs> but didn't, didn't we strictly order you not to teach in his name? Uh, look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. So Acts 5.29, Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than people. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had murdered by hanging him on a tree. God exalted this man to his right hand as a ruler and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given uh, to those who obey him. Now, before you think you know where I'm going with this, I'm not claiming that what's happening at Asbury is akin to what happened in the book of Acts in the first century. Not at all. Here's where I think there's a parallel that we would do well to consider. And there was a man by the name of Gamaliel, and he was a Pharisee. And here's what we read. Acts 5, verse 33. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee by, named uh, Gamaliel 
A teacher of the law who was respected by all the people stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men to be taken outside for a little while. He said to them, men of Israel, be careful about what you're about to do to these men. Some time ago, Theudas rose up claiming to be somebody in a group of about 400 men rallied to kill him. He was killed and all his followers were dispersed and came to nothing. And then he says, like, you got to be careful. This is what happens. Let me skip down a little. Verse uh, 38. So in the present case, listen to this. I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. Here's, here's my point. For if this plan or this work is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even be found fighting against God. And they were persuaded by him. Here's what I'm confident of. If all of this is hokey, it's going to come out in the wash. God's going to show us that. If all of this is of the Lord, God's going to show us that as well. Time will tell, and we will see about what the Lord is and isn't doing. But what I don't want to do is uh, look at it with, I want to be discerning. I don't want to necessarily be cynical. And for me, fine line, real fine line. And so I want to be discerning about what's happening there, realizing that I'm experiencing more through my phone than I am in person, and I'm always reading probably somebody with some level of a bias and so I don't know what's happening, but I don't want to be skeptical about a genuine work of God, nor do I want to put my stamp of approval on the whole thing if it's not a work of God. And so I think the best response for us as Christians is to wait and see, praise God for what he seems to be doing, and let's see how it all works out in the end. God's in control, and if he's doing a great work down there among many people, if many young people are spending more time in a chapel than they typically would— if many young people are singing more songs and reading more scripture than they typically would, I'm pretty excited about that. And I look forward to seeing what the Lord has to do in the days ahead. I hope you do too. Thanks for listening to the Ask Anything podcast. To submit a question or support the podcast at any time, look for the link in the description or in my bio. Your support and your questions are greatly appreciated.